Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Danielle Larimer of High Ridge, Missouri. Danielle will win a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Dan Taberski, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedurals, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Law & Order, Season 1, Episode 21, Sonata for Solo Organ. They did an ultrasound or something before they took him into surgery. And? And somebody cut out his kidney. Talk about getting your pocket picked. Huh? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you for inviting me on your fine program, Kevin. I appreciate it. Well, that's so formal. <laughs> Dan Taberski's here. I, oh, okay. I want to, you know, I don't mess up in front I, of him. I'm wearing a tie. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding out our panel is our special guest from Headlong, Missing Richard Simmons, Headlong, Surviving Y2K, and Headlong, Running From Cops. It's the guy from Headlong, Dan Taberski. That's I feel so well branded now. Thank you. <laughs> so, Dan, actually, congratulations on Running from Cops, an, another great podcast series. Uh, in addition to sort of looking at the reality law enforcement show Cops, you said a, part of the scene setting is you take us back to the 1950s and the 60s to, to the show Dragnet. Mm. And with its, you know, this is the city gestalt here and same era. There's 8 million stories in the naked city. This has been one of them. Mm. So the Law & Order franchise famous line is, these are their stories. Do you think this is a deliberate homage to those black and white detective shows? Gosh, I don't know. That's a good question. I think it's a lot of, even even the detective novels, right? They're all just like two-word sentences. Like everybody's like super curt. Uh, every, just like the the, mo the world's most simplest sentences, uh, and that's how those detectives try to talk, right? So these are their stories. Yeah, it totally, it totally fits into that. I, I think people must really, especially the people who are making Law and Order, they must really dig that old stuff. It's really compelling when you watch it, still to this day. This episode is basically in black and white and square format, so it's like an old tiny cop show. <laughs> yeah. Watching it now, it's it seems so old, so, so old. old. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so quaint as to what we would put up with from our law enforcement characters. It didn't even fit on our TV; like, it was like giant black bars <laughs> on the side of it. I love uh, it, like animals. I love it. Dan, of all the Law and Order franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team: Chris Knopf and uh, whoever. 
whoever's with Chris Noth. Oh, good. Oh, wow. Well, then we nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, he's so good, man. Look at that guy. Uh, he's like, you can't, you just can't avoid it. You got to admit that was a handsome man. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's great. He's silly. He's sort of cheeky. He's a little, a little Harrison Fordy, George Clooney kind of snark to him. Uh, I like that kind of thing. Although I will say that I did not realize upon watching this episode, I did not realize that that his partner was George Zunza, um, which I'm a huge fan of. Um, my favorite movie in the world is The Deer Hunter. Uh, and he mm. was in that. Tell me you guys have seen The Deer Hunter. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he I, he was in that movie. I didn't real. I had always wondered what he had done after that. And here he is on Law and Order. I never made the connection. Very exciting. For it's me. a really different part. It's also not as uh, long lasting as, <laughs> as our memories of yeah. the deer hunter. Yeah, are. exactly. It didn't quite <laughs> stick with me like the deer hunter did. <laughs> Dan, who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. Uh, I don't know that I have a favorite. I pay attention to them less than I do the the cops i think the cops are more interesting to me once this, once you start getting into the courtroom then i'm sort of focused on like the jury and the crowd and there's just other stuff going on the prosecutors <laughs> the i clothes. mean sam, sam, sam waterston sam waterston i'm always you know i'm always down with but but he came later right yeah he did he did uh so you're like you're you're the guy checking out uh, maybe who your favorite jury foreman is yeah or the judges man always sort of yeah. these old grizzled new york women ah so good yeah i gotta wonder about those arraignment judges like how long do you have to have that job before you get so jaded and you're like i don't care whatever oh, going to jail. I don't oh, immediately there's like a class yeah. in law school about how to act like yeah. that <laughs> all right now let's look at the first half of this episode law and order season one episode 21 sonata for solo organ we begin with the mounted police benevolently kicking the homeless out of Central Park. <laughs> and that's when we find Drew McDaniel dazed and bleeding on a park bench. Turns out the guy wasn't just mugged. Someone stole his kidney and stitched him back up. Or as Logan says, talk about getting your pocket picked, eh, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> Grand theft kidney. Terrific. What about you? You got any theories? Devil worship? Alien beings? A cult wouldn't stitch the guy back up, and I imagine there'd be other organs of more interest than a kidney. Had to be for a transplant. <laughs> well, since there's no reason to steal a random kidney, McDaniel is likely a match to some patient and targeted for his organ. Somehow, it takes two commercial breaks for Logan, Grevy, and Craig and ask, I wonder who had a kidney transplant last night. Hmm. There's no paperwork for the kidney that wound up in Joanna Woodley, the daughter of of course I'm super rich and have my name on everything in New York, Philip Woodley. The detectives learn someone got bribed to access the blood work from McDaniel's paternity test to see he is a match for Joanna. The stuck-up surgeon, Dr. Rebity, and his faithful nurse, Elaine Hale, rented a portable anesthesia machine, and the bloody linens from their backroom operation are in her garbage. Robinette says it's good enough for both doctor and nurse are arrested for attempted murder. All right, why does it take so long to just look for an organ transplant patient? 
I mean, it seems like a pretty straight investigative line there. Yeah, and there were no like HIPAA laws apparently back when this episode was written. <laughs> wow, because... talk about jaded. I was actually, I had the opposite reaction. I was like, these guys did a good job. Like the guy got mud. Like, do you really like they took it that far? Like, I was impressed. <laughs> I was impressed. They're going through bloody garbage on the fire escape. These guys are doing their job. <laughs> They're amazing. They're amazing. You're They're right. Amazing. We are jaded. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> But I just like they do. I like they do it all in person. Like it's not like they're all just like on the phone. Or they like like they do every meeting in person in their office. They keep going back and forth and back and forth. These guys had to work for just a little bit of information before the internet. You know, it's so hard to park in New York. You imagine just like going back and forth to all these <laughs> these people. Got to go back to the hospital to talk to somebody. They just. So that's spoken like a person who truly does not live in New York because you're not driving around <laughs> in a car. <laughs> you're riding horses. Yeah, so totally. homeless people. Yeah, you're hoofing it. All, all, I, all I can think about when I think of those uh, cops on horses, which, by the way, you don't see them very often in this franchise. And I think it's because they actually probably have to use like real cops or actors who know how to ride horses, right? In order to get that. <laughs> yeah. All I could think about how is in the movie Elf, Santa like had them on the naughty list. Those, <laughs> those Central Park Ranger horses. <laughs> and I'm like, here they are again, hassling homeless people. They yeah. are in fact on the naughty list. He was right. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are very comfortable. This aired in 1990. And we are very comfortable about what we see here. As you say, Pretty comfortable with everybody throwing everybody's medical history there. Yeah. <laughs> Drew McDaniel. You don't look like family. Under the skin, we're all brothers, Miss Johnson. Blood tests indicate benzodiazepines. Hey, I'm no genius, but to me that spells operation. How desperate was Joanna Woodley? On a scale of one to ten, I'd give her an eleven. What do you mean she's had other transplant attempts? Two failed. Last time she almost died during treatment for the rejection. Mr. McDaniel was the object of a paternity suit. I drew blood for the court-ordered test. Oh, yeah. Paternity <laughs> suit, let me tell you. All it takes is a wink from uh, from Chris Noth, and they're like, all right, here it is. <laughs> all right. You want to rummage around in her hospital room? Go, Go ahead. ahead. <laughs> you got me. What's it going to hurt? With that little grin. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you don't look like family. Yeah. Well, it's all right. <laughs> Under the skin, we're all brothers? Yeah. Is that Chris <laughs> Yes, Chris that's what he that? said. <laughs> so so good. <laughs> so weird. So I'm like, good. really? Yeah. Are we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, we're it, really... it sort of ties into this sort of like another like looseness with like medical protocol that happens in the show where like Logan and Grievy, like when they go to hospital, they just like go behind the nurse's station and oh, yeah. standing there leaning on their shit. Like it's not subway. It's not <laughs> it's not quiznos. You can stand there. Yeah, they're bulldozers. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> They're such men. They're just yeah. man spreading all yeah, over the place. They are, they are classic <laughs> yeah, man spreading. Yeah. Hey, we're really comfortable with how easily the police break the law. In what way? Stealing what is- lipstick. <laughs> it's robbery, Mike. You don't take other people's property, even if you do have a badge. Hey, she's in ICU. I don't think she's going to need her lipstick for a while. Look, you got the prints. Just put it back, okay? <laughs> Fruit of the poisonous tree. Yeah. I keep thinking, like, that's where it's going to go. Like, that's going to end up in court, and it's going to be like, you can't know that because you did this. It doesn't come lipstick. up, though. No, it doesn't. Took your lipstick. <laughs> Minor infractions. You got to bend the rules a little bit to solve a, to solve a crime. Well, for what Ben Stone is charging everybody with, they're lucky they, they didn't go after <laughs> Noth for murder for right. stealing the lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It also brings us to his partner, Max Grevy, who we don't see a lot of because he is only in season one. Mm. Mm-hmm. George Dunzo was commuting back and forth from L.A. and New York to shoot the series, and 
He thought it would be a good idea. And 22 episodes into him, he's like, can you just fucking kill me off already? <laughs> <laughs> is that what they did? Oh, did they kill him? Yeah. That, yes, yeah, season two, episode oh. one is a big episode, which we probably should do sometime, where they kill off Grievy, and uh, Logan is on the phone and hears the assassination go hmm. down. He can hear his wife crying. Oh. And then later, he forces a confession from the shooter by holding him at gunpoint. Oh. And, well, then there's a real great, you know, court oh. scene yeah. talking about the legality of that. But, yes. Yeah, that's not legal. <laughs> no, it's not legal. Probably <laughs> not legal. But he's so handsome. But we were super comfortable with it. <laughs> and he stole his lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who plays Lemish, the lab tech? Anyone know? Do you know, Rebecca? All I know is that when I got to that part in the episode, I turned to you and I said, oh my God, it's a Hey, It's That Guy. And then I forgot to look it up on IMDb afterwards to find out who it was. <laughs> no. So you'll have to just tell me. He remains that guy. That's <laughs> Zach Grenier. The account's accessed once when the order comes in, once when the result goes out, twice. And how many times was the McDaniels file accessed? Not more than twice, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's Zach Grenier. Uh, this is his first of eight Law & Order franchise appearances. He's been in a billion things, like Fight Club, 24... Uh, Deadwood, one of your favorite shows, yep, Rebecca, yep. and one of Dan's favorite shows, The Golden Girls. Oh, <laughs> I love The Golden Girls. Who did he play in The Golden Girls? <laughs> uh, he had like a one episode appearance. He probably dated one of the. Yeah, I'm gonna need more information. I'm gonna need more information on that. Okay, okay. <laughs> we'll have to dig into that. What is his name? What is his name? It's Zach Grenier. G R E N I E R. Oh, oh, he's an IMDb yeah, right, he's right now. now. <laughs> is that Adrian Grenier's dad? Adrian Grenier is the guy from, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Entourage, Entourage. Entourage, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I don't Maybe. Know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find That'd out. That'd be a hey, it's that son. <laughs> Sorry, I'm slowing everything down. Somebody said the Golden Girls, and now I'm like a man with a mission. I'm <laughs> <Dr. Ray. laughs> right. Sorry, go ahead. Well, you probably recognize this actor as the character David Lee from The Good Wife. That okay. was his probably his. I didn't watch Most that. enduring role. But sure. Yeah, I believe you. <laughs> By the way, I love the character's name, Lemish. <laughs> it is, yeah. That is, it's, it's, what is that word? Automatopoeia? Like it sounds exactly like it is. He's a Lemish. Exactly. Yeah. He's a Lemish. <laughs> I don't know if that's an insult, but it certainly could like grow into one. Yeah. yeah. Look at you with this computer. You're like a Lemish. Look at you. Uh, <laughs> this is New York. <laughs> We got one other hey, it's that guy. Who recognized Woodley's defense attorney, Dan Rubel? Oh, that creepy ass looking guy who looks like he's like uh, in a. Uh, Not a, the guy with the mustache. Oh. Oh, yeah, the creepy one. The one who looks yeah. like a funeral director. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, he looks like a. Yeah, he looks like a. He looks like a Lord of the Rings sort of villain, right? Like, like, a, like, a, like, a, like an evil wizard. Like an evil wizard. <laughs> That's Dominic Giannisi. My problem is I had to drive up to Rikers doing rush hour, and the damn FDR is still under construction. And then I had to go through security. Those bastards, they love to bust your chops. The better your suit, the, the, the worse you're treated. You know that, Adam. He's Junior Soprano. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's Junior, Uncle Junior. Wow. Huh. Hey, Uncle Junior, don't shoot me in the kitchen, Junior. <laughs> all right. Boy, he's really all upset that he's got to go to Rikers. He was really put out. Yeah. He was really put out just by being a defense lawyer. He's yeah. like, I really didn't think I would ever be in a situation 
where any of my clients would ever have to do what like normal criminals have to do. Oh, so annoying. Yeah, like the judge is like, you're going to Rikers, and they both look at each other like, what? Like, that's not possible. Rikers. Yeah, what? But I like that sort of stuff, man. Like, stick it to the rich people. That's, a, that's what's great Me about too. actually like Law and Order. It just like, makes you like, yeah. Get him. <laughs> I also love all the very, like, on-the-nose, like, references and writing in the first half of this episode, like, where they go to the transplant place. It's yeah. very law and order. Yeah. And she's talking about, like, where the kidneys came from and where they went. Uh-huh. This morning in Miami, a 14-year-old boy died in a diving accident, and tomorrow, a 63-year-old potato farmer in Boise will get his kidney. The transplant at Manhattan Memorial came from St. Jude's in Boston. The one in Newark came from Concord, New Hampshire. And the one at Gramercy came from, are you sure you got this right? And by the way, she gives a shout out to Concord, New Hampshire, which is very exciting for me. I always hear like our town. Like, right, somebody a... died and gave a kidney. <laughs> okay. right. Right. Yeah. But then it's like a potato farmer in Boise, because of course it's a potato farmer if yeah. it's somebody from Idaho. Yep. It can't just be an accountant yeah. from Boise. Yeah. <laughs> Danny, this is... <laughs> Dan, this is 1990. You know full well a potato farmer cannot afford totally, totally. a kidney transplant. <laughs> and that hula dancer from Honolulu, like everyone's super right. on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, you were not impressed with Rosario's accent. I was not. Rosario is a character who apparently <laughs> took a bribe to pass along some tested results, and she is a Latina. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh, <laughs> allegedly, right. The one with the literal boombox outside her apartment. Like, the whole thing is taking place in Manhattan, and then all of a sudden, it is like boomboxes and like street music, and she's walking out like she is in a different world. And she says with perfect English pronunciation, I'm a good worker. I don't know nothing about people getting hurt. <laughs> and then proceeds to slip in and out of an Aww. accent for the next yes. four lines. She has, this nurse came from the hospital. She asked for printouts of test data. I felt terrible for this poor actress. I'm like, you can imagine the director being like, no, no, no. No, we need more. Yeah. We need more Latina, more. And she's just like, I don't know nothing. And she yeah. didn't like, know what to do. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. I think, Rosario, I think you got one more take in you. Let's try this. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, who knew you could rent an anesthesia machine? <laughs> True. Like the parties in New York would be so awesome if you just go. I'll take. I'll that. take a bouncy house. <laughs> oh I'll take God. an anesthesia machine. Just rent medical equipment for your party. You're onto something. <laughs> It'd be legendary. Yeah. Hey, let's all go over to Bursky's house. He's got a colonoscopy. Yeah, man. He's taking blood pressure. It's <laughs> blood pressure. He's, yeah. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. All right, now let's look at the second half of this episode. The head of the organ transplant network tells Ben Stone Woodley tried to bribe him for a kidney for his daughter, and they should go after him too. Dr. Reberty is arraigned and is already working to throw the nurse under the bus. 
Nurse Hale turns on the surgeon. Correct me if I'm wrong, Miss Hale, but any first-year surgical resident knows if you don't tie the renal vein, the patient dies. So whoever operated on McDaniel either didn't know what he was doing or wanted him to die. I saw him Elaine, die. 30 minutes longer on that bench, we'd be discussing a murder charge, not a 10. Reberty's ex-wife says he's drowning in debt. Logan and Grievy find fingerprints from the doctor, nurse, and patient all on the same wheelchair. But because he just can't leave shit alone, <laughs> Stone wants to go after Woodley for willfully turning a blind eye to what Reberty would need to do to get that organ. Mm-hmm. And Adam Schiff is like, oh, whatever. <laughs> um. <laughs> At trial, McDaniel says, he wants his kidney back. Well, that's not going to happen. Reberty testifies <laughs> that Woodley paid him $1 million, but never told him to commit an assault. Meantime, the billionaire comes off like a loving dad, and Stone thinks he's about to lose the case. That's when they learn one of Woodley's shell companies bought the doctor's house at $2 million, obviously buying his silence. But the doctor brought receipts. He hands over a teeny tiny tape (laughs) with Woodley telling the doc to get the kidney and kill the patient if he has to do it. All right, so I think this doctor talks a lot more like a lawyer than he talks like a doctor. And the prosecution's unconscionable demands would cause her grievous, if not irreparable, damage. I'd like to propose a new deal. You need requisite culpable intent on Woodley. What, the doc, the bad doctor guy? The bad doctor. <laughs> Type tipping all the conversations? Yeah. He's always, <laughs> he, turns on, he literally turned on everybody in that episode. He He's the Michael everybody. Cohen of this episode, yes. let's be real. Yes. He's Dr. Michael tapes. Cohen. <laughs> but come on, he comes in at 11 minutes in, and you see his face, and you just know he's going to turn on everybody. He's got that oh, guy. Yeah. Been play, that, guy talk, that guy's been playing that part his entire career. He's just smarmy. <laughs> It was all leading to this moment. Yeah. <laughs> we know what you're going to do. <laughs> I do like how he keeps asking for permission to speak. <laughs> like in what way? May I? Your Honor. May I say something? May I be heard, Your Honor? It's true. <laughs> I'd like to say something. It's true. He is polite. I'll give him that. <laughs> he's spent a lot of money on his attorney, and he's like, may I speak? I want to offer a deal. <laughs> like, Shut up, man. <laughs> You're a surgeon. You're not a lawyer. I loved his ex-wife. Loved her. She's a very busy florist. She cannot stop arranging flowers while she's talking to the murder cops. It's very important that she gets all that done. Put three million into a string of private hospitals. And he's losing his money. That or a kidney doesn't go as far as it used to. And she's smiling with this, like, amazing, yeah. shit-eating, I hate my ex-husband grin, and I'm glad he's in trouble the entire time. it's all coming back to roost right now. She's just <laughs> loving every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. As a panel of divorced people, we think our exes would be so happy. Yeah. <laughs> we oh, like to- in trouble for murder? Right. Well, let me set this aside. Right. <laughs> I'm going to put the tea kettle right. on. Oh, he stole a kidney? Oh, hold on. What do you think of these flowers? here. <laughs> Boy, that sounds just like him, yeah. too. It does. <laughs> so Adam Schiff does the most shiftiest thing that he ever shifts. When Stone tells him about his plan, he sits back in his chair and is rubbing his forehead in anguish. Yeah. Oh, over and over and over the same material. I'm telling you, my friend, it's a flyer. Philip Woodley happens to be a major political cash cow in this city. The the thought of charging yet another one of the richest people in Manhattan with the flimsiest of crimes. That's right. And he actually goes as far as to say, 
He's a major political cash cow. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to be that obvious, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to just be like, oh, the publicity. Oh, people aren't going to like it. You're not supposed to be like, he's a major donor to my campaign, and therefore this is going to be hard for me. You're not supposed to do that. Yeah, you're not supposed to do that. But he did seem put out by it. He seemed upset by it. The rubbing the temples and everything. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, he was, a, he was a big cash cow, but he, he wasn't happy that he was going to have to let him go. But he didn't. It really seems like Schiff looks at the law in the way it affects him personally. It's like the other attorney's like, he was my editor at law school. There goes my reunion. This job is killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Ben Stone is like Jimmy Stewart in every Jimmy Stewart movie with every case he ever does where he's like, you may not think this is the right thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. Justice. (laughs) I like those guys. Those people make me happy. It gets me. It makes me. It makes me. It makes me excited for human beings that there's people out there. Like that. <laughs> Robinette just stands on the side, looking disgusted yeah. at both of these dudes, like all the time. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Adam Schiff is the DA. Uh, why does he need to get his coffee in one of those Greek coffee cups from the vending machine? I noticed that too. It's so wonderful. Those cups are uh, are fantastic. Yeah. Well, no, he's a DA. He's like they, those guys don't make any money, do they? I don't know. He's got to keep going back to these rich people that he wants to <laughs> I think sue. the people who are elected DA are usually probably already pretty rich. I mean, that's the way it typically goes, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, Somebody um, in the office should run down so a- So he's classy. He's one of us. He's one of us. He just- uh, There's definitely a lot of, like, uh, in this era especially, that's something I think they do less now, of, like, grounding this in, like, real details in real New York places mm-hmm. and real stuff. Like, they mm-hmm. talk about D'Agostino, the grocery store. They talk about SUNY Downstate, mm-hmm. a little-known medical school mm-hmm. um, in New York. They talk right. about, like, all and these places that are... And now, nowadays, it's like, Hudson University. What's that? It's right. a fake college, right. you know. We are Hudson where the bad guys go to school. Fake, uh, you know, they, they, they used to say things like Dwayne Reed on, on, on Law uh-huh. Order, and they just don't anymore. Yeah. Is that true? They don't do it anymore? No, they make up everything. Oh. They make up everything. They even have, like, we we did an episode recently where they had Hoda Kotb on uh, as a guest, like a, guest, a news person, and she was on a fake show called Hoda, instead of just being on the Today Show, which she actually <laughs> I think is. She was, I think she was projecting her dream. That's <laughs> hilarious. It's the only Hoda show and no one else. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, they're really, I have to say, after watching this episode, it is quite authentic New York. Like, it's, they, they do a really good job. You can feel it. Yeah, you can smell it, too. It's yeah, like, yeah. Like it's, right, to, right as they're gentrifying. The garbage on the fire escape, yeah. <laughs> Has it been picked up? Oh, that landlady. Oh, jeez. Can we talk about that landlady for a second? Talk about sure. put out. Central casting. Yeah. So central casting, right? Yeah. She keeps the place as clean as an operating room. She's a nurse, you know. The bums upstairs, they don't even tie their trash, but Elaine double bags hers. She's clean. She keeps a place neat. But not those people upstairs with the blue, with the purple hair and the gold earrings. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how she says, well, what makes you think she did anything? Oh, cops, Warren. You don't need to be a Kreskin. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> people are like, what's a Kreskin? <laughs> it's true. So at trial, Stone makes McDaniel, the victim, stand up and he's like, hey man, take your shirt off. (laughs) Would you mind taking off your shirt, Mr. McDaniel? Objection, Your Honor. I feel the jury should be able to see why he felt violated. Overruled. 
<laughs> you would think he would have prepared him for that. <laughs> you would think that. I mean, he is his witness, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would think he would have said, okay, so I know this is going to be hard for you. And one of the things I might ask you to do is stand up and show the jury your scar. Which, by the way, is not that fucking bad, considering they did the surgery like in her apartment or whatever. But anyway, it, like the guy was totally unprepared, and like it was so mean. Like that's his witness. I actually thought that's like they ripped that. They ripped that from. Uh, they didn't. I, at first, I thought they ripped that from the movie Philadelphia, right? Like where where Tom Hanks uh, takes his shirt off. Yeah. But now I wonder if Philadelphia ripped that from Law and Order. <laughs> Well, it was so gruesome. Yeah. It was so gruesome. But Dan, that's like a world-class surgeon. Don't you think he could cut in a straight line? You should see my appendix scar, man. It's a mess. <laughs> don't trust. I don't trust surgeons anymore, man. No more bikinis for me. <laughs> Would you? Were you able to stand up in court and like lift up your shirt? <laughs> Nobody asked. Because <laughs> I think if the guy knew he was going to do that, A, he would have worn a cleaner shirt. Yeah. And B, he would have gone to the gym a little more to get prepped. It's yes. like when you find out like you're going to have a nude scene on uh, Game of Thrones. Right. You know, you got to. <laughs> right. I mean, there, but there was definitely like a lack of preparation in general for this trial. Mm-hmm. Like they let Woodley on the on the stand say, you know, how much did he pay you? Uh, a million plus. Right. And then they do a financial records investigation. Like, wouldn't they be like, what was this deposit into your bank account, Dr. Woodley? (laughs) Like, no preparation was done at all. Yeah, and it seems to come in right at the right minute. It's like, well, they don't have Google then? Well, how did... uh... How do they get all this stuff? <laughs> Am I the only one? Who, that's all I can think when I watch these old episodes is how did they do this without the internet? Like, how did they know. do any of this? It just seems impossible. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing they got it done. You're right. We are being cynical. We're being too critical. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have the internet. Yeah, man. Yeah. So we got to cut them some slack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had leather jackets, though. They were able to wear to work. That oh, was my cool. God. I'm suffocating <laughs> under all the fucking fabric and the clothes in 1990 all the trench coats all the leather the lapels over lapels it's really um it truly makes me hot just thinking about it (laughs) it's the style so as the trial goes on ben stone gets a visit from the smoldering joanna woodley the queen of the 90s with her swept back with her brooch (laughs) her brooch her broad shoulders mr mcdaniel is going to be a very wealthy man with only one kidney just like I have, Mr. Stone. The hope is we'll both live long and happy lives. Do you really think your father would have acted any differently if you had needed a heart instead of a kidney? And the only reason that I wanted to talk about this scene, I mean, what she says is inconsequential, it's stupid. Her dad is a typical rich guy, wanted mm-hmm. to pay people off, uh-huh. whatever. Like, she was. Like, it was literally like, if you were casting a movie now yep. about the 90s, yep. You would pick her to play that part. I mean, she was yeah. prototypical. Yeah. I mean, she's 70 today, but okay, I, I get what you're going yeah. for. Yeah. She was like like, like Alexandra Isles in like uh, Reversal of Fortune, like perfect, like soap opera actress, 90s perfection. Yep. Dan, I think she looks pretty good for being three weeks post-op from a <laughs> kidney transplant. Money. Money, man. It's money. Yeah. <laughs> good vitamins. Yeah. That's good makeup. She was, again, with the clothes. She had like five layers on. Like, there, I'm telling you, that time period with fabric and, and fashion is, uh, is it's, a, it's, it's, it's insane. Upsetting. It's upsetting. I was just watching Clueless a couple weeks ago. Oh. And like the outfits they wear in a movie that's ostensibly supposed to be in Los Angeles. And all the girls are wearing like blazers <laughs> and skirts and tights and socks and shoes. We did love the layering back in the 90s. We loved it. You know, you're not supposed to make pink a thing. <laughs> So there's a really great moment at trial. Stone is grilling Woodley. In other words, you 
would do anything for your daughter. Absolutely. Even something illegal. Wouldn't any father? Wouldn't you, Mr. Stone? I'm not on trial, sir, and I ask the questions here. I'll ask the questions around here. <laughs> Which is so funny, given what we now know about uh, Stone's retconned relationship with his child. And Dan will have no idea what we're talking yeah, about. But, like, wow. we know he's just ignoring his kids based on what happened on SVU in 2018, right? Yeah, he definitely would not do that for his... <laughs> he definitely he wouldn't do anything for we his We would kids. hope that he wouldn't do that. Let those kids die so they don't have to come back as characters on SVU exactly. 30 years later. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, Dan, you've missed out. You've yeah. really missed out. Dan's like, these are horrible people. Yeah, the Law and Order <laughs> Multiverse is, uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> okay, so when they want to play this tape, they play it in court. Mm. I, I, I don't think he's going to want to give up one of his kidneys without a struggle. You do whatever it takes. You kill the son of a bitch if you have to. Just do it. Mm. And it's this big moment, and you see in the background, a bunch of reporters stand up and run out of the courtroom. <laughs> yes. It was like... Like it's 1940 or something? Yeah. I mean, I, there's, there's no website that you need to update. Your paper comes out tomorrow. <laughs> it, are you supposed to, Dan, aren't they supposed to stick around to see what comes next? But I have to say, all I can think about in those moments, it's terrible. Because you're right, everybody behind them just overreacts. And people are just like, what? Humma, humma, humma. Like all the murmuring. But all I can think of is that when you're acting a scene... Nobody else is allowed to make noise so that when they're acting it, they have to do it quietly so that they can put in the noise later. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I just get so uncomfortable thinking that everybody's like miming upset and like running out of the room. <laughs> and that, so, yeah, I can't get past that, that the whole thing's happening in total silence. Right. Totally. I am like in my bliss right now because I know that Dan Taberski does not listen to our stupid podcast. But as you know, <laughs> Kevin, I'm obsessed with the background acting on the show. Like I'm obsessed with it because you think that these people who play jurors who play people sitting in the courtroom like they're always thinking i always think they're thinking this could be it yeah. this could be the time yeah. when somebody sees me sitting behind claire kincaid mm -hmm. i need to do this really well let me like pick up this paper and read it very earnestly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well you know how this goes i mean you start off in the background in the gallery at the trial and then you come back the next season as a member of the jury mm. and then maybe the next season you get to be a cop and maybe get one line and if you're really lucky you get to be a dead body oh yeah man i have a I, a, a really good friend of mine was on it several times and then he got bumped up to pedophile he got to play a pedophile once <laughs> oh wow yeah it was like he lucky was him. the bad guy yeah it was amazing <laughs> wow did he have a line to, I mean, he had many lines it? and it was super creepy uh but now he gets a lot of work playing creepy people <laughs> like that's his gig i wonder if it was the episode we covered on the show with the guy with the glasses <laughs> <laughs> do you know. remember what episode do i remember the number are you kidding me no which no, episode no, like... i love how i'm judging i love how i'm i just got done watching 800 episodes of cops and i'm judging you guys i'm like what you fucking <laughs> get a life people <laughs> i do not do remember. you remember what happened in the story is yeah. that, other than him being a pedophile that he I, I, is in the end. Uh, <laughs> I don't think. No, no pun intended. Yeah, not. Uh, yeah, I think he gets it, but it's sort of like it's sort of like borderline pedophile, which is what makes it weird. It's like the woman. She's like she's not like super young. She's like a teenager, and so that's the sort of ambiguity of it. It's uncomfortable. Mm. I'm even uncomfortable talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. And you guys are still friends, though, right? Very much so. Yeah, he's a successful actor. <laughs> well, you're not a successful actor in New York until you've been on Law and Order that's multiple right. times. One, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you can't get on that show, it's 
It's over. That's right. Do you know one time, one time, uh, a couple of years ago, I was walking down the street and I went to buy a coffee from a, uh, from a, cause they shoot in New York all the time. And I went to buy a coffee from a, from a coffee truck, you know? And I, and I asked for the coffee. He gave it to me and I handed him money. He's like, oh no, no, no. He's like, this is craft services. We're shooting law and order. And he, and he, then he just, I had no idea. He thought I was part of the crew and I was like, thanks. And I took it and walked away. It was, it was amazing. They're everywhere in New York. They're everywhere. <laughs> You're looking to reach out and take it back. You I know, know. That little Greek coffee mug. I'm just keep thinking that like some doorman like shows up for work and comes out and there's already a doorman there. And he's like, it's cool. I'm just playing the doorman in law and order. We're shooting in front of your building. Hand me your hose. I will hose off the sidewalk right. and go inside. We'll be done in 20 minutes. And then he's like, well, aren't you that pedophile? Right. <laughs> Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. All right, well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the This episode is inspired by the controversy over a Turkish man's claim his kidney was stolen by British doctors in 1989. Ahmet Koch told authorities he was lured to London by the promise of a job. <laughs> he was told he needed a blood test and reported to a hospital that looked like a hotel. He passed out and when he awoke he was told they took out his appendix in an emergency operation. When he returned to Turkey, he discovered they instead harvested his kidney and transplanted it into a rich patient. The British media was crackers over these allegations. <laughs> the medical board brought Koch in to testify against the accused doctors. It was then that Koch admitted he was not the victim of a crime. The man was one of four who travelled to the UK to sell a kidney. Oh. He concocted the story because he was unsatisfied with the amount of money he received for the procedure. Versions of this story live on today in urban legend usually involving an unwitting victim awaking in a hotel room with a note informing them of exactly what was stolen from them. So the question is, can you sell your organs in Turkey? The answer is, yes, you can. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's still a thing? That's still a thing. Wow. It's, it is illegal in the U.S. to buy or mm -hmm. to sell an yes. organ, but there are other parts of the world where it's legal, like for example, in India, it is still legal. In 1998, several doctors were accused of tricking poor people into donating their kidneys. It's really the kind of thing where it's preying on poor people. Of course it is. It's the one thing that they can- <laughs> It's frowned upon. Let's just say it's frowned upon. It's that. frowned we upon. Don't do That's that. right. 
Well, as we learned in this episode with the OTN lady, who very like uh, loftily tells us that like organ donation in the United States is like it's separate from the meritocracy. It's all above board mm-hmm. and it could never be influenced by money. And bullshit, of course it can. <laughs> of course it can. <laughs> well, it's such a, a prevalent um, you know, myth that the National Kidney Foundation has offered a reward to anyone who claims their kidney was stolen. Really? And of course, no one has taken them up on it. Really? No one has actually woken up in a bathtub yeah, really. or surrounded by ice with a note saying, get to an emergency room? Yeah, no. That's not a real thing? No, it has some femme fatale, like lures you yeah. into Well, the it's hotel. happened on Law and Order like a million times, yeah. so why wouldn't we think it was a real thing? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what show they're watching, but we see it on Law and Order all the time. <laughs> well, okay, actually, the origin of this episode is that a friend of a writer heard this news report and told him about it, or remember bits of it. Yeah. And the people at Snopes and these other internet myth people like check up on urban myths, research this, and they actually attribute this Law & Order episode for bringing the story into the mainstream and starting the legend. Hmm. Really? So almost instead of it like being the other way around, thanks to what we just watched, uh, you know, there's all these internet hoaxes. Beware going to the Philippines hmm. because you may wake up with one kidney. Wow. Huh. It's Law and Order's fault. Yeah, instead of ripping from the headlines, it put it in the headlines. Huh. It's not unlike running from cops where like it, where we learn that Dan tells us that like cops today learned how to be the cops they are because they grew up watching cops. cops. Exactly. Damn. Yeah, man. So when somebody takes my kidney, I'm going to blame Chris Knopf. <laughs> He's like, he totally got this idea from Law and Order. I'm not stupid, Chris Knopf. <laughs> so how much did you think mr cock was paid for his kidney because remember in the law and order episode he got a million i just like the fact that you guys sorry hold on a second we just gotta i just gotta note that you guys giggled when he said his name was ahmed cock i can't not i can't not i'm 12 i'm 12 and i know it's just a name and i know it's just it's a, a word and i know name. it also means a chicken but, like, the word cock is a funny fucking word. It it's spelled K-O-C, Rebecca. Oh, it's spelled K-O-C? Yeah, come on. It's oh. Well, how do you know you're pronouncing it right oh, there? Man, yeah, I don't know. Coke. <laughs> it's Coke. Yeah. You made poor Cy say cock, like, 14 times. It's probably not Coke. There is a method to my madness. Cy is amazing. <laughs> he is amazing. We love him. <laughs> Does he always talk British, or was that just because it was a British show? A British he story. He is British. Oh, okay. I thought maybe he was doing it <laughs> yeah. because it was a British news story. I was like, this guy is selling it. No, no. I would have had him do, do it in a Turkish accent. No, no. Sai has a lot. We, are, I think we originally thought we'd get lots of voice actors. We just love the way he says controversy so much that we're yeah. just stuck with Sai all these years. We I love have him. to get him to say aluminum. <laughs> uh, or urinal. <laughs> all right. How much does a kidney go for a Turkish immigrant like Mr. Cock? Coke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Eddie, guess what he got paid for his turn? For what his he kidney. got paid? Yeah. How much did he get for his, his kidney? Uh, is this like a game show? We, oh, if, yeah. if I go over, do I disqualify? Yeah. Okay. Price is uh, right. I'll be Drew Carey. Five thousand dollars. Dan, any idea? Is this nineteen eighty nine dollars? Yes, nineteen eighty nine dollars. Oh, I'm thinking that it's uh, seventy five hundred. It was $4,267. Wow. That's very specific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's the, you know, pound to 
dollar conversion rate there. That's like a deductible on a medical procedure. (laughs) Very specific. (laughs) You'd have to pay for that whole kidney out of pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Well, that is going to do it for us. We want to thank our very special guest, Dan Taberski. Dan, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, My uh, Twitter, at DTaberski, and then uh, the podcast is Running From Cops, uh, and it's uh, on Apple or wherever you listen. Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, they can follow me right now, mostly tweeting about headlong running from cops on my ah. Twitter handle, at Reb Lavoie. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Brader. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie, content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. Join our Patreon to get exclusive content at patreon.com slash partners in crime media to get ad free episodes of these other stories a week early sign up for stitcher premium get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com crime all clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the u.s copyrights act fair use exemption for criticism and commentary if you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows go to lawandorderpodcast.com sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next law and order marathon winner these are their stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay st louis mississippi studio and is a production of partners in crime media partners in crime media whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day eggs are a staple in our diets eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25 percent less saturated fat not only are they better for you but eggland's best eggs taste better too there's a reason that they're america's number one eggs Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.